0: And welcome to American Steel on WKOM 101.7 FM radio. Welcome listeners. Thank you again for downloading this podcast. As always, we aim to bring you motivation and inspiration for things that you need to do in your life or want to do in your life and establishing and uh, accomplishing your goals. With us today, as usual, is Clayton Harris. Clayton, how are you, sir?
1: I'm doing well. Good morning.
0: Uh, good morning, sir. It's been a good day. Uh, the school year's over. Uh, we've got summer, so we've got a lot of planning for next school year. But it's good to see you, as always. Clayton, I'm excited because we have Corey Ross, former retired United States Marine. Uh, got two Marines in here. Uh, Ura, <laughs> Captain. Uh-uh, sir. uh raw, uh sir. So, Corey, I uh, appreciate you coming on the show. And for our listeners, just, uh, you know, um, we just kind of banner back and forth here. Uh, we want to help anybody out there that's listening. And I think that you and what you're going to bring to this show today is going to help a lot of folks. Uh, so if you're sitting driving down the street and you're wondering what to do with your teenager or what to do with your marriage or what to do with your business, I want you to uh, listen to Corey very, very carefully. Uh, he's had the opportunity to help thousands of people and teams and corporations. uh, And perhaps maybe he can help you and your corporation at some point. So Corey, tell us a little bit about your background and what brings you to being in the the motivational and inspiration business.
2: Yeah, thanks. uh, Thanks, Mike. I've really I tell everybody I have no business being here. And a lot of times when I start out a speech in front of a corporate team, say, hey, 25 years ago, you would have never wanted to listen to anything I have to say. But some of the things I accidentally ended up doing throughout my life put me in a position where I'm passionate about leadership, passionate about just motivating people and bringing teams together. I uh, started out, grew up, had a, had a great childhood, and then somehow it got derailed. Uh, got in a significant amount of trouble in high school, sent away to military school, still didn't fix me. Uh, Ended up being arrested, had three warrants for my arrest before I could even turn around when I was 18 years old. So I then decided, hey, I need to to make a change. I was at the end of my road, joined the United States Marine Corps without knowing what I was getting into. Uh, Spent a couple of years still trying to figure life out and starting to become a, a little bit of a better person, but I was good at being a Marine, a basic Marine, rifleman, 0311, And that was something I finally found that I was good at. So when people say, hey, thank you for your service, I always say right back, hey, it's the only thing I was good at, so don't thank me. And uh, did that for a couple years until I found some mentors in the Marine Corps and saw some guys that I I really wanted to emulate. And one of those was my platoon commander, uh, Stephen Kinsley, give him some credit here. I'm still in contact with him. It's 25 years later. He was a Mustang Marine. So he was a... former enlisted marine turned into an officer and was my first platoon commander and i saw him and i said that's what i want to do and he he kind of led me down that path i ended up applying to texas a&m university got a college degree through the marine corps and ended up on the officer path led a platoon of tankers and uh was an executive officer there in the tank battalion And then got an interesting job that I volunteered for where I would learn the Afghan language and deploy in and out of Afghanistan with Special Operations Forces over my last five years in the Marine Corps. So that was an interesting road just because I had wanted to deploy. I had wanted to get into the fight in Afghanistan. But like my wife will tell you, I got a little bit more than I bargained for. And uh, we were both ready for me to be done after that tour was over. And um, pretty easy decision to retire, come home, watch my kids play football. I had two boys that were in high school at the time, and I have three girls that were all getting into sports. So retired from the Marine Corps, worked for a leadership development and team building company for seven years, where I ended up being the president of the corporate side of the company, where we work with corporations like uh, GE, the Dallas Cowboys corporate team, and some other big companies, but also with sports teams. And so we work with anywhere from middle school, Kolioka uh, boys basketball back when I first moved home to Columbia. It was my first team I worked with. Uh, Chris Pointer, local legend, um, connected me over there, and we did an event for them. They went on to win the uh, middle school championship, and then four years later the high school championship. Long story short, my daughter now dates one of those boys that I had down in a, in a boot camp style event. I don't know. 7 8 years ago now. So pretty interesting road to get here. I'm originally from Texas and ended up in Tennessee because of my wife who grew up born and raised out here in Santa Fe.
0: So you you covered a lot of a lot of years. <laughs> it sounds like it could be a much more detailed uh, it, it's interesting, but I want first I want to address one thing. Are we pushing it by calling pointer a legend?
2: <laughs> yeah, I thought you might object a little bit, but, okay. I thought it was appropriate
0: i love I love Pointer, but he <laughs> owes me now because I had to rearrange my schedule for him next week, so I, uh, yeah. legend might be pushing an all star or something like that well, it's interesting because I had the same kind of experience i still um I still interact with my recruiter uh-huh. and the Marine Corps was not a plan A or a plan B for me. It was like a plan do something with your life for me, mm-hmm. uh, but I love it, I still love it. I would stay sometimes, many times. I wish I would have stayed in for forty years. I just yeah. I love the core and the country and and stuff like that. But it's, it's interesting that how it, how it has an impact on you like that. Yeah. So the project was the company, no, the program. The program It's called the <clears throat> program, and that company you were president for seven years. And mm-hmm. you know, tell us about that experience.
2: Yeah. So I started out just a sales guy, and and just to get into kind of like the motivation piece that we had talked about pre-show is um, I knew I wanted to work for that company because I knew I was passionate about leadership. And that's what I wanted to do was work with young kids and even corporate teams. But mainly at that time, I thought it was going to be, you know, youth. And the guy that runs the company, he offered me a job and he said, Yeah, Corey, I want you to be a I want to hire you as a sales guy. And I said, "Ooh!" I pulled my car over to the side of the road. And I said, a sales like I'm not a salesman. And I don't, I've never done sales. I didn't go to school for sales. I hate sales. I worked for Radio Shack for three hours, got the job. They put me in the back room, tried to train me as a sales guy, and I walked out on my lunch break. So I'm not a sales guy. And he said, no, you don't have to be a sales guy. You're passionate about leadership and you can talk to anybody. And I said, okay. So I told my wife, and here's the the motivation that comes in. She says, Corey, you know what you want to do go set up an office out in the garage and be the best sales guy that you can possibly be. And then you'll get to do the other stuff, you know? And so my motivation back then was I get to do the leadership stuff and I'm going to go ahead and try to crush this sales job, which I did not want any part of. So I think a lot of people find themselves in those places where they don't want to be, but you got to find your why, like why am I here and what am I going to do to make this a, a great situation instead of a, you know, Un, you know, an unwanted situation in my case.
0: Yeah, it, it's been my experience. Anytime that I uh, went, tried to walk away from something that somebody told me I should do or they thought I had a ability to do something and, and I told myself, no, that's not for me. It, it usually ended up being for me. Mm-hmm. You just, you know, you don't attack it like you should attack it, like most things in life, like your marriage or your parenting or your coworkers. Those kind of, you're not willing to attack it because maybe you're uncomfortable with it or maybe you're just unsure but typically, it ends up being exactly what you should do, mm-hmm. and so you killed the you killed the salesman piece because you ended up being president of the company.
2: I don't know that I killed the salesman piece. It was kind of an easy thing to sell. Every coach wanted it. It's just a matter of if they could afford it. So what the what the program did and what we're doing something similar now with the, the Warrior Mindset is just making people better people, leaders better leaders and warriors to understand, you know, what it means to have that warrior mindset. And everybody wants that. And every company I talk to here locally, they want that for their teams. It's just a matter of are they willing to invest in that or do they want to buy the next you know piece of technology or CRM or whatever they actually need as far as hardware for their company. So it's a decision leaders make. And what I love is when You know, a a company leader gets passionate enough about leadership to bring us in, or a football coach, baseball coach, that says, hey,
0: we need culture first, and then we'll worry about the X's and the O's. I'm fascinated by the program where you were able to learn to speak Afghani.
2: Oh, gosh. I mean, yeah.
0: Or were you able to uh, master that and be fluent? (laughs)
2: Again, didn't master it. So you're giving me way too much credit. Uh, Wasn't the best sales guy, but I ended up building a lot of relationships there. And same exact thing on the language piece. I was not the best speaker of my group. We had about 30 guys, officers, Marines, sailors, uh, soldiers, all going through the training together. I was not the best speaker. But when I got to Afghanistan, it was not about how well you could speak the language. It was about sitting down, eating a meal, drinking a cup of tea, and building relationships. And I could do that with my minimal, you know, I don't know. I think I was a level one plus in the uh, Pashto language. So one plus is basically like talking to a four-year-old. If you were going to talk to your little kids, that's what talking to me was like in, uh, in Afghanistan.
0: Well, but they, I mean, I can assume they appreciated the effort and they were, you're able to have at least uh, some dialogue while you're also experiencing their culture. So there's Mm -hmm. establishing trust with them. Uh, So that would just go from there. Is that, is that a hundred
2: percent? And that was actually my job too. So it wasn't just, Hey, Corey's, Corey's kind of passionate about, you know, meeting the locals. My job was actually to augment an army special operations team. And really, my only responsibility was to build relationships in the community so that we could install a local police force. And that's what we did, like an inkblot all over eastern Afghanistan. I think we installed two or three hundred local police forces of one to three hundred men that would protect their little villages. And so my job was just to basically go meet people, find out who the right people were and build relationships with them so that they would. Basically protect us while we taught them and trained them. What was the landscape like out there? What what, what, what was your impression of Afghanistan? Uh, snapshot from from uh, you know thousand ten thousand foot view. You could put a ski resort right where my base was and make a a million dollars in the first year just having people ride down that mountain. Beautiful place. Gorgeous, almost like sawtooth mountains of Idaho. Mm-hmm. You know, that real rocky kind of landscape. That's what it looked like. We were right at the base, which is a terrible place to be, of one of the most beautiful mountains on the um, eastern border with uh, with Pakistan. So the place that you hear about over there is like Kunar, uh, Ganjgal Valley. All of those areas were right near our base. And pretty they're pretty famous in the Marine Corps uh, and in the other services for being...
1: A hotbed type hornet's nest area. I heard you mention the mad dog yesterday in yeah. the conversation we had. I, I worked for a company that was based out of California, and uh, one of the guys there was a marine. He loved the man. Mm-hmm. Said the man would he he would mingle and and he would sleep in the same type of uh, areas that you guys would be. What, what, what was that like? That experience uh, with with him. So sadly,
2: I never served directly for uh, Jim James Mattis, General Mattis, uh, who they call the Mad Dog, but. I've read everything that he's written. I've followed the man. And just like any other Marine, I mean, we all pretty much look to him as the living legend or one of them uh, from this era of wars that we fought. And he was one of the first people on the ground in Afghanistan with his unit, you know, landing before some of the books that you've read uh, with, I think it was Task Force Rhino or something like that, that actually air landed in Afghanistan in in the very first days right after 9-11. So – impression of him warrior scholar yeah. so not just a warrior not a knuckle dragger that you know just picked it up along the way no he's read thousands of books and if you talk to the guy if you're not reading you're not a leader so that's one of his famous quotes that's not on google typically you know if you look at all his quotes they're the they're the cool ones and the sexy quotes like yeah and i won't say any of them right now but uh that one is probably not one of the first ones to pop up, but he said, "If you're not reading, you're not a leader," and I mean that—that's true. So,
0: I, I, I agree with that, and I think that's—I uh, think that's true. When did this start for you, Corey? Like, uh, did you go to Paris Island, or uh, no? I was San in Diego. San
2: Diego because I'm a Texas Marine, so they shipped me off to San Diego, Hollywood Marine.
0: Uh, Clayton, <laughs> we should have verified that before. <laughs> He's not a Paris Island Marine. Oh, gosh. In the in, in boot camp, I would say you have this uh, you have this tumultuous teenage years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're experiencing this. Typically, in, in my experience, and things that I've seen, it's the best leaders are, are leaders who have already gone through crap and then have had to overcome that and then move on to building character. Did you know in boot camp? Did when did you know that uh, this was the right thing for you and mm-hmm. that you wanted to go down this road? Wow.
2: Great question. Um, I knew pretty early in boot camp this was what I was meant to be. And before boot camp, I had no idea. I had seen one Marine in my life up to that point before I went to boot camp, besides my recruiter. At that military school I went to, which was an Army-run military school, there was one Marine that worked there. And he showed up in his dress blues to a military ball. And I said, who is that guy? And, uh, I still remember his name, Lieutenant Colonel Lyle. That was probably, you know, 27 years ago. And somebody told me he was a Marine. And that's really all I needed to know. I was like, well, I want to be whatever that is. That's what I want to be. And, uh, then So that's all I knew of it. I didn't know they were amphibious. I didn't know they did a lot of the things the Army did but also had an air component or, and a sea component. And better, but go ahead. Just didn't know any of that, but once I got in, and first thing they teach you is the history. I mean, day one, you're getting pounded with, these are the Marines that we read about. These are the Marines that we all strive to be, and that's why basically Marines do the things that they're – capable of doing and and just unbelievable acts of heroism under fire is because of the history and not wanting to let those Marines that went before them down.
0: And so that's what I ate up, and that's probably what drove me. It's uh, just—it's incredible how uh, similar—Robbie Winchester, lieutenant colonel, uh, retired, was my recruiter, and he was a gunny at the time. He went through the um, enlisted or the uh, officer program like you did— He came to my high school in his dress blues one day, and I was goofing off up in, uh, I think it was a music class, I remember. Mm -hmm. And when the football scholarships that I was was told were going to come in didn't come in, uh, I I don't have any plan at this point. And I literally walked at least four or five miles to the recruiting station just because I remember him in his dress blues. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was coming out of the office, going to take some other kid to do the ASVAB. He took me. I don't even know what I got. I, I got enough to, I knew who both of my parents were, so I was able to get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that the rest is kind of history. Uh, th- it's funny about boot camp because boot camp does not teach you anything bad. It teaches you all this really good stuff, but you get to choose if you're going to implement it in your life. And I, I love the fact that you did that. I know that I've done that and I still do it to this very, very day.
2: Yeah. it's, it's People ask me, oh, the Marine Corps changed you. And It did, but I think somebody, I think God put the Marine Corps in my path. I don't think anything else would have changed me. I think it had to be that hard. And boot camp's not the hardest thing I've done, right? It's Now looking back on it, it's definitely not. Yeah. But at the time, it was. And so it had to be hard, it had to challenge me, and it had to be adversity-based. And that's the same thing that we basically do with sports teams and corporate teams is in order to change you, it, you know, it's got to challenge you. It's got to be something that pushes you past your comfort zone.
0: Tell me about that because I want to know, I want our listeners to, to hear what, you're, what you look, when you look at leadership and think about leadership, when you're working with the sports team, and let's just use a high school sports team because you're dealing with uh, teenagers and not grown-ups, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's a, there's a difference. Let's talk about teenagers. You're dealing with teenagers. What does leadership look like for you, and what's the ultimate goal of the training,
2: yeah, I'd like to just—I'll just tell a story about leadership. Uh, with the young, with the younger kids that we work with on, on a high school level, they may not have studied anything about leadership. So when we show up and say, "Hey, you need to be a leader," that doesn't really mean anything to a seventeen or sixteen-year-old quarterback. Um, he doesn't know what you mean by be a leader. Does that mean that I'm the first one in the gym? Does that mean that I'm cleaning everything up after practice? No, that's actually not what that means. It means that you're getting everybody else to buy into that and to buy into this team, and you're actually leading them to make sure the team functions the way that coach wants it to function or whatnot. So I think that we first have to back up on what a lot of coaches do and say, and don't just say, be a leader, but define leadership. For all the, all the young men and women on your teams or in your school, define leadership first. Say, this is what leadership is. And then talk about, now, I want you to be a leader because I've already seen you. I've already seen you set the example. I've seen you around your peers. You understand what's going on. Now I want you to be a leader of those peers.
0: I don't want to take a break, but we have to take a break right now. Corey, thank you. I can't wait to get back into this. Uh, Thank you for listening to American Steel on WKOM 101.7 FM Radio here in Columbia, Tennessee.
3: Caledonian Financial is a full-service financial planning firm. What we mean by that is we work with young clients, assisting budgeting and Ross, young families with college planning, life and disability insurance, older clients as they bring in 401k rollovers, seek advice with estate and tax planning, and finally with elderly clients when it comes to the distribution phase of their retirement and long-term care options. This is Marianne Stevick with Caledonian Financial in historic downtown Columbia. Securities and investment advisory services offered through NBC Securities Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC.
1: I just want to say that your show is disgusting. Two white men and a white woman attacking a black man who's a Democrat, yet you have no balance to anything that you say. You act like a bunch of Southern (laughs) You are ridiculous. You're a horrible show. You're a horrible representation of Tennessee. Y'all are disgusting. You're disgusting human beings. And either balance it out with someone who has a half a clue what they can talk about. You got a bus driver up there acting like he's better than him just because of what? I have no idea what his points are other than what Tucker Carlson told him what to say. Y'all are disgusting human beings. You need to get off the...
3: There. Three dudes with a view. Triggering liberals between Dollywood and Graceland Monday through Thursday from 8 to 9 a.m. Right here on WKOM 101.7 FM.
1: This is Trip Stoltz with Columbia Ace Hardware. I love listening to 101.7 WKOM FM, Columbia, Tennessee.
0: Welcome back to American Steel folks. Here we're here with Corey Ross, and Corey is the owner of Warrior Mindset. It's a tr- leadership development training for schools, you know, or businesses or corporations. So highly recommend you uh reach out to Corey and uh, talk about so Corey when you, when you look at leadership, what are you looking for? Mm-hmm. What does your training compare to what you're looking for? How does your training help people get there?
2: Mm, interesting question. So more times than not, when we come in to work with a team of any kind, football, corporate, uh, softball, the coach has an idea of who they want to be the leaders of the team. Lots of times it's the seniors, right? Oh, these are my senior leaders. And that, nothing kind of worries me any more than hearing that. Because I want to hear a coach say, these are my leaders. I don't care if they're a senior. Now, is it tougher, is it more challenging to install a freshman leader? Yes. Sophomore leader, kind of. But that leader could be a junior, senior, sophomore. It really doesn't matter because a lot of times your seniors aren't leaders. And it's not sad. It's not, it's not unfortunate. It's just the way life is. And, and a lot of times people will say, I want my kid to be a leader. And that's great because we need leaders. But I want my kid to be a warrior first right? Some of my girls are leaders. Some of my, you know, I have boys too, and, and they can be leaders also. But first, I want all five of my kids to be, to be warriors. And that's what I get excited about. So a lot of parents get real excited when they see their kids leading, but maybe they don't set a great example. Maybe they're trying to lead and, and they're just kind of bossy to their peers, and that's what they see as leadership. Um, so more times than not, we will be called in the warrior mindset training to just identify who are my leaders. And then from that point, we can say, okay, let's develop those leaders. And then I really need this guy or gal to lead because they've got the title, they're getting paid to be a leader, or they've got the position. If it's a football team, maybe they're my quarterback, my linebacker, uh, my D lineman that I really need to be a leader of that position group. Uh, Can you at least bring him from here to here? And I'm just holding my fingers about a couple inches apart. And that's what we can do. We can't take a person from down here and make them the greatest leader to ever walk planet Earth. You know, James Mattis wasn't down here. He was always, you know, a cut above and and a leader growing up. So that's what we do. We identify leaders and then we develop those leaders from where they're at now to better communicators, you know, better at setting the example, better at handling adversity and so that's what we're going to do coming up with a couple teams here in town. We work continuously with Zion Softball, who's been super successful. They've had a lot of, a lot of great championships in the past couple of years. And just continuing to develop. Even those leaders that we saw last year and this season that just ended, you know, they need to get better. And, and they need to be better at building a team throughout the year. And, and you know, they know that. They know they're not as good as they can possibly be right now.
0: Yeah, I know we've uh, talked about this on this program before about, and I I don't want to get political, but I mean, sometimes it feels like we're uh, raising soft kids, Mm. and I don't like that. Uh, I think we should be raising warriors. And there's that quote, I forget who it's from, maybe you can help me, that I'd rather be in an army of sheep led by a lion than an army of lions led by a sheep. And I think that that seems that we're trying to develop lions and warriors and, and, and leaders that will go out and understand what... Uh, sac- sacrifice and suffering and challenges is all about. Corey, so you're going to put somebody, let's say a corporation comes to you and says so they got a team of 25, and we're not, you know, I've read so many books about Fortune 500 companies, and if you're in charge of a you're in charge of a, a, a section of a Fortune 500. If you're not producing, they they move you on. They get rid of you. Mm-hmm. They're all about the bottom line. And there's so many different stories out there about leadership and how leaders change to then lead their companies, small or large companies. So you come in with 25. Let's just say you come in with 25. How does it? What does the training look like? I know there's a water evolution, mm-hmm. and I know um, when I was in Coronado, uh, we'd be at the same swimming tank with the buds uh, seals. And they would, you'd hear them say all the time, the water is what separates the most from the training. And he, most people can run and get sandy and wet, but the water evolution. Talk, talk to us about yeah. the training and, the, and then the, how the water evolution comes into play.
2: So really, it's whatever adversity we bring is, is the medium that we teach the lessons of leadership and just being a warrior. And that warrior, basically what I'm saying is that having the warrior mindset that we don't do anything meaningful in life. As an individual. So the warrior mindset, think about it. All the all the teams that, you know, kids are playing video games, Navy SEALs, uh, Marine Recon, all those are teams. They're not individual warriors accomplishing these missions or or having this success on the battlefield. So we don't do anything meaningful in life as individuals, only as part of a team. And I know you can sharpshoot that and say, Well, what about a tennis player? Tennis players got a team around them, and a tennis player was trained by somebody. So even tennis players, there's a central tennis team, um, they're part of a team. And so with that being said, we basically just come in and teach people how to be better teammates to each other and how to have that warrior mindset, which is being mentally tough, right, which is looking out for your brothers and sisters to your left and to your right, and which is leading through adversity because anybody can lead when everything's going well. When you're up by 21 in the second quarter – Anybody can be a leader. I don't care yeah. who you are. But when you're facing, you know, let's call it, if you're Columbia Central and you're facing uh, Marshall County and you're down by six in the fourth quarter, that's when we need leaders and that's when the true leaders will emerge. And so then we take that person we say, okay, this actually ended up being our leader. He's our defensive end, and we never thought of that, but he can lead this defense. And uh, we take, take all kinds of teams. And so the water doesn't matter. It could be cold. It could be raining. It could be a heavy pack on your back. We introduce some adversity to that team to where they're they're outside their comfort zone, and then we ask them to make a decision. We ask them to communicate effectively. And before we can ever ask somebody to do that and hold them to that standard, we have to teach them how. So in the Marine Corps, you probably remember EDIP, Mm E-D-I-P, explain demonstrate, imitate, and practice. That's how every task from how to load your machine gun to how to pack your pack is taught in the Marine Corps, EDIP. If we just teach our people EDIP and say, hey, I've explained it to you, I've demonstrated it for you, and now you're going to imitate it and then practice that task, then the magical tool there is I can now hold you accountable to it. Too many times, though, whether it be in sports or in uh, in business, we try to hold people accountable to a standard that's never been set. So, if I've never demonstrated what a great practice looks like for this football team, then I start just yelling at the players and and giving them, you know, making them do push ups and sprint until you know 8, eight ten thirty at night. But they've never seen what right looks like or been taught how to be a leader or be a warrior, be a great teammate to each other. I'm I'm. Barking up the wrong tree, right? I'm never going to develop these young people unless they've seen the example and been been trained on how to, how to be that example.
0: Uh, Corey, a couple of weeks ago, I was interviewing somebody, and I had uh, one of my my athletic director with me. And when the person left, he said, "What do you think?" And I said, "Well, he missed a belt loop." And oh. he's like, "How do you see those things?" I've seen people come in with Mitch Max uh, socks and and just uh, you know all sorts of dress for an interview. And it's ironic that you say that because I put on my shoes the way I was taught. Put on one shoe, then I put on the other shoe. I don't tie the one because if a, a bomb hits, you need to have your shoes on, right? You remember that? <laughs> yes. Captain. Don't ever have two
2: boots off at the same time. Right. So I, right. I
0: still do that every morning. It's the same thing that you just, it, it, it just, hey, finish this quote for me, uh, Corey. Because it seems to me that what you're, also, t- besides just helping people understand what leadership looks like, and then uh, how that bleeds into teamwork, and then overall success of the mission, when people uh, f- uh, finish this quote, when people fail, they
2: they either fall down or they fall forward. If I can, you just want me to finish it. In my, own I want place. you to
0: finish it in your own words, like because you're not yeah. just teaching; you're not getting a bunch of hard charging people to come to your training that just want to get better. You've got people in that training that have failed. And I and a, a good scenario here for kind of what you're getting at, I think,
2: is a good buddy of mine that I used to work with, we would always be instructors for two different teams that were competing against each other. And these are corporate teams. And his team would magically always win. And my team would always lose the competition. But I'm sure that he cheated, right? And I said, so I told my team one time when they lost, I said, hey, you either win, you either win or you learn. And we learned today. And so anytime you fail, I mean, nobody wants to lose. Nobody wants to fail at a job or, or a task that maybe their teacher gives them or something like that. But anytime you lose, you should be learning something. And if you're not learning something, then you're missing that opportunity. So I think you, if you fail, then, then you've learned something about
0: yourself or about how you can be better. Do you ever come across people that just don't want to uh, drink the Kool-Aid?
2: Yeah hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, we'll, we'll work with, uh, Columbia central football this year and we will have players on that team that are talented and they won't want to drink the Kool-Aid. They won't understand what it means to be a warrior. Why do I need to be a leader? Why do I have this, need to have this warrior mindset? I'm not a, I'm a football player. I'm a wide receiver. I don't need all that. I'm not in the military. I don't want to learn how to, you know, march like a military, like a Marine. I don't need all that. And they'll see me as a Marine. And I'll tell them, hey, it's not about being a Marine. It's about being part of a team. And I'll tell you that every single Marine and soldier that I served with, I'm more proud about the kind of teammate I was than any kind of action that I took in combat or award that I received for something I did in combat. I don't care about any of that. I care what those teammates think about me. And when you leave high school, Everybody will remember what kind of teammate you were, and every person on that offensive line will remember what kind of warrior you were. Warrior you were in the fourth quarter. Well,
1: <clears throat> you've worked with different teams: football, softball, basketball, baseball—you name it. Football is different, though. Do you see it as different than the others when you're training these guys? Because I think I heard somebody once say they they use the word it's it's controlled violence uh-huh. out there on the field. Yeah,
2: well, I think I probably said that.
1: You did. You actually <laughs> so. did. I can't repeat the other things you said, but it is. Yeah. It's Control. It's controlled violence, and uh, it's got to be different, right? I mean, because it, 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 football is different than any. It's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. So it is different, but it's easier
2: for me to correlate the battlefield that I learned my lessons on to the battlefield that these young men learn their lessons on. It's a super direct correlation. And so it is different. It's not for everybody, but um, the lessons are the same. And the leaders that we need when it's a muddy game and you can't get a grip on the football and there's all kinds of excuses that we could make for not winning that game are the same leaders that we need you know, in the championship game. So um, I think it just makes it easier for me. Because the players get it,
0: Corey. I met you uh, six months ago, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, when we first started talking about your training. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't mind. I, I don't mind saying this. It wasn't about winning. It wasn't about winning games for me when I heard this because I've been through this kind of training. I've done this kind of training. I've done for the last twenty years. Uh, my best friend who. Uh, We didn't know each other when we were in the Corps, but we were law enforcement officers in Florida together. He's my best friend. He lost his son at at 19 in Afghanistan. His Mm. son was killed in uh, Afghanistan, I'm sure. And you've been in combat. You've lost men uh, or you're close to that. When I think about your training and when I heard your training, I wasn't thinking about what that could mean on the football field, although that's going to be a byproduct of just having a stronger team. I was thinking about young men, and then now young women. When you talk about working with softball teams and whatnot, who are going to be thrown into circumstances—hopefully uh, not, but probably combat at some point, maybe, or death and dying and loss—and they're going to have to know how to navigate that world. Mm-hmm. And I think that this training, uh, when they're out there and they're they're not wanting to be there and they're having to overcome their mind, and they say, "I don't want to," they want to walk away, and maybe they come back. Uh, that's going to help them do that. Mm-hmm. And I, and football is certainly different, Clayton, because you're out there and you know every play, you're going to get hit every single play. You've got to reconcile that you could get hurt. Uh, we've seen people lose their lives on the football field. Mm-hmm. So you have to reconcile that this is a violent sport, mm-hmm. but it is controlled violence 100%. And I think that your training is going to – the two days that you're going to spend with student athletes or a corporate team It's going to be something that they're never, ever going to forget. And then they can draw from on any circumstance in life.
2: In life. Yeah. Yeah, that's the important thing is it's really not about football. It's about life. And one of the things that we typically talk about in the debrief is, hey, we've talked a lot about football today or softball or you pick the sport. But I want you guys to be warriors in the classroom. I want you guys looking out for that person and bring them in to your group instead of leaving a person at in the corner of the classroom or the lunchroom or whatever it is like one of the tenets of the warrior mindset is that we are sheepdog. And so we keep our group together. We keep our team together and protect the team. And I care more about those kids that are, you know, suicidal, depressed, all the things that we see in high school. And it's not just kids these days. It's been happening for a really long time. And, bringing them in and one of the biggest compliments and and i might get emotional here that's okay my daughter just graduated from high school at Santa Fe, and we went to her award ceremony that's held separately from the graduation just parents pretty much and they gave out all these awards academic awards you know achievement awards and all this and then they saved one award for the end and they said hey this award is not academic this award is the citizenship award and it's given to the person with the highest character and integrity. And this person specifically, she would always try to include everybody. And I'm just sitting there thinking, "Oh wow, I'm a, I like this award, you know." And I'm sitting in my seat as a parent, thinking, "Wow, who, whoever this person is, I'm really gonna like this person because they've been awarded for all the things I believe in." And it was my daughter. And to needless to say, I completely lost control. I was like, oh my "God, I'm <laughs> so." You know, couldn't have been prouder if she is the valedictorian that day. Wouldn't have been prouder, and so she got this award for bringing everybody in and always trying to include people. I mean, there's multiple examples those teachers gave of her doing that, and I think that that sheepdog mindset translates to football too. Like, yeah, you this might not be the talented guy on the team, but we also might need him. You know, we may need him if he's our if he's our number six receiver. And we need him in the fight. We need him to understand the plays. We need him to be mentally tough. We need him to have a team mindset. And so let's pay just as much attention to him as we do everybody else and be great, you know, just warrior brothers to each other.
0: I, I think that I would uh, I would be more proud if they, my daughter or son won that award as opposed to valedictorian. I really would just no because they, they love everybody around them. They want everybody around them to be, you know, accepted and at peace with who they are. Uh, we started a new award this year called the Ly- the Spirit of the Heart of the Lion Award this year, and uh, you're probably familiar. A couple of weeks ago, we had a hoax call going around the state of Tennessee on an active school shooter, and um, we have a school resource officer. Uh, her name is Deputy Duffy, and she's about I guess she's probably five foot two, if that, uh, but she's definitely got the heart of a lion. And when you look at the, uh, for twenty or thirty minutes, we didn't know that this was fake. We 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 assumed. It was the real deal. So we're out doing our thing trying to find a bad guy. And she was by herself that particular day, and she's out there, uh, you know, she's the only law enforcement officer in the building for a good 15, 20 minutes. And she's out there just looking for uh, she's looking for a fight, and mm-hmm. I loved it. And uh, so when I saw her on the video, I saw my admin team doing it, but she was the one actually running up and down the halls looking for a fight uh, to save people's lives definitely demonstrated the heart of alliance so we yeah. ended up giving we're going to do that award every year now so that's that's fantastic so that's off, from a corporate standpoint uh what are some of the some of the feedback that you've received from corporations that you've worked with
2: yeah well first we get feedback before we show up saying hey i haven't worked out in 20 years <laughs> you know i'm not i i probably can't even do a push up right now you know what are we going to do and it's not it's not about like i said before it's not about the water it's not about the rain the adversity is, is irrelevant. We're gonna introduce some adversity and then we're all gonna learn from everything that we fail to do you know, effectively. So communicate effectively. How many times today have you failed to communicate you know, effectively? I've done it with my wife once. Uh, she's done it with me a couple times today, probably, probably a few more than I have with her. But um, no, I'm just kidding. We all fail at these things daily. So the training that we do with with corporate teams is really about just sharpening that edge and figuring out, you know, taking it to the next level with communication. So what do we have to do first? Train it. But then we put people in an environment where they can practice it, just like the EDIP that we talked about earlier.
0: That's fantastic. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about this. So we're going to take a break here on American Steel. We'll be right back in a few minutes.
1: The NASCAR Cup Series. Off turn four, green flag goes in the air. Back at Worldwide Technology Raceway for another year. The trouble, We've turn got... four, Stenhouse gets put by Eric Jones. Of racing in the shadows of the Gateway Arch. Take the check to the bank, $1 million, Kyle Larson has won. It's the Enjoy Illinois 300 presented by Ticket Smarter.
3: Sunday, June 4th at 1.30 p.m. on WKOM 101.7 FM.
1: This is Coach Mike, and you're listening to the best radio in Southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia, Tennessee.
0: Welcome back to American Steel, folks. Hey, please share this podcast. Ask your friends, send it all over the country. Ask him to download it. You can go to any platform and listen to American Steel. We don't have enough time. I, I want to have Corey back on. Yes, Clayton. We don't have enough time, and uh, I think we should have him back on after he does some of this training for that he's doing locally here. To and maybe even have some folks that were in the training come on the podcast, but. Corey, you, this is not your full time gig. This is something that is a passion project for you. I know mm-hmm. that there's a, uh, I know that you can make some money doing it, but this is mostly a passion project. Mm-hmm. But you have a full time roofing company, is that right?
2: Yeah. So I, I work for a friend of mine here locally, uh, Roof Systems Incorporated. Uh, when I left the program, I needed, I knew I needed to make a career change went to my friend here in town, Cody Goins, and he just, it was a God thing. He happened to have a position open that happened to be something he thought I could do. And uh, truth be told, didn't have any roofing experience. I was very transparent about that. He said, it doesn't matter. I need you to lead the residential division and grow it and, and that kind of thing. So that's my mission now. Why did I do that? I had... I wanted to move on from the program and I had trained so many teams but I had always been the instructor you know telling people hey this is how you should communicate better this would work better if you did that or this is how you should mentor this guy or gal that you're having trouble with but I had been out of the game for a while so I had retired from the Marine Corps in 2016 and hadn't led a group of men and women in a really long time so I said hey This might be an opportunity to practice what I preach. And I got it in spades. So not that we, not that I've had like, you know, any unpleasant experiences, but every day is a leadership challenge. And a challenge to to do what it takes to be a great, you know, teammate to the guys that I work with. And I, I work with a great team, all of them heavy hitters. Uh all of them looking out for each other, which I am not you know, the best teammate on that team. And I've, and I've taught this stuff and I've lived it in the Marine Corps and all that. And I have guys that I work with that are just phenomenal at looking out for each other and, and communicating and things like that, things that I believe in. So to say the least, I've been challenged by this job. It's a leadership challenge, and it's something I take very seriously. i um, passionate about helping people so I can believe in the mission here at Roof Systems. Uh, we basically – people are not wanting to get a new roof. They do it when they have to. They It's a lot of money. It's a big investment, and we solve problems for people. And uh, it's, it's a great company. It's a great mission that we have. You asked me uh, about the company, but – you know it's it's basically just a another passion project because we're building something yeah and, and i can I can get behind that
0: well, at least you know folks what you're dealing with now uh, if if you use a uh, roof system, so uh give Corey a call if you are in the market for a for a roof a new one, and don't wait until it 's too late to get a new roof uh so I know we just bought a house a couple of years ago and they had replaced half of it, so i'm probably going to be up for a, mm. a another half of a roof here pretty pretty short. When I was in WSSI school in Coronado, there was a test you had to do a bunch of tests to graduate, and they tell you that this school they, they don 't gra- you know in the military a lot of times they let you test and retest and retest until you get it. This is not one of those schools and there 's two things that come to mind one t- one you had to swim fifty meters with your hands and feet tied behind your back mm-hmm. and I remember uh, sergeant west he was uh, he was good at everything else, but he, he was having trouble with that, and so we as <laughs> I, as I kind of helped him. I stuck my foot up into his chest where the instructors couldn't see me, but I helped him stay buoyant to pass the test, and he graduated. But my buddy Dane, the underwater swim, was a full length of an Olympic-sized pool underwater. And after four or five weeks of doing that school, every time Dane would do it, he would get from me to you, and he would come up, and they gave him three chances. And this was the day before graduation. They gave him three chances, and he never made it. And so it just, it, it just kind of makes me reflect back on when I was in Florida a couple of weeks ago, was speaking to a sheriff's office on leadership. It was a full day. It was just a classroom. Uh, and I, I, it's all, I'm always, uh, I'm never surprised how hungry people are. Because I'm in there with 50, 60 law enforcement officers. And you would think that they all really just have it together. But I've never surprised about the number of people that are hungry to grow and develop. And mm-hmm. are do you come across that as well?
2: Oh, yeah. Um, I think people do want it. But I, I think people struggle with a why to be motivated to do these things that they know they want to be this person. They know they want to be this person that is a, a good leader, a good mother, a good father, a good, you good know, older brother, mentor to people. But uh, it's making that decision and having a strong why behind it. So I think people struggle with that why.
0: I was uh, checking out your tattoo.
2: mm can you read it to me? Yeah. So it it reads, "Blessed is he who lays down his life for others." And uh, it's not exactly how it's written in any version of the Bible that I have. On you know, when I look through my phone, I haven't found it written exactly like that. But the reason I have it written like that is um, a guy that I served with. He was my gunner on my truck. He was killed in an ambush in Afghanistan, and and I won't go into great detail about that about that day, but he was a hero to me and, and still is, and so I'm happy I get to talk about him today. When I went home, I didn't get to go to his funeral, so we were still in Afghanistan, still operating. He was, uh, he was sent home, and they had a funeral for him at Arlington National Cemetery, and when I finally visited him after my tour was over, I went to his grave, and I saw these words written on his grave. Every other grave, or just 98% of them in Arlington National Cemetery have name, you know, the war that you served in, the date that you died, and any medals that you earned, like combat medals, Bronze Star, Silver Star, Medal of Honor, Purple Heart, all of those will be on your grave, not Aaron Whitman. So, Sergeant Aaron Whitman's grave is his name, the Afghan War, and blessed is he who lays down his life for others. And so it struck me immediately because it was different. And so then, right after I went to the cemetery, this is my trip home, like I just got home from Afghanistan, I went to the hospital to visit a wounded uh, soldier that had been wounded the same day Aaron was killed. Aaron's parents were in there also visiting the same wounded soldier. So my gunner who had passed away, his parents were in that hospital room with me, and I just had to ask. I said, why did you not put Aaron's medals on his tombstone? And his dad looked at me because Aaron had two bronze stars, we found out, after he was killed. We gave him one. He already had one. And his dad looked at me and he said, the medals don't matter, Corey. The way that he died mattered. Because the word had gotten back that the way Aaron had died was with both of his thumbs mashed down on the butterfly trigger of his 50 caliber machine gun, engaging the enemy and protecting me. Protecting the teammates and the warriors to his left and to his right, I happen to be the closest one to him, so I'm forever grateful that that's how he died and so that's what his dad said to me that the medals didn't matter and when I got home, my wife said you gotta you gotta get that tattooed on you and so I wear the bracelet of him right above. Right above that bracelet is the the words.
0: Cord, take a minute and just uh, speak his name on this program, and let's let's yeah. thank him for that sacrifice.
2: Yeah, Sergeant Aaron X. Whitman, uh, Army Sergeant, two Bronze Stars and a Purple Heart, and was killed in Afghanistan, way out where nobody will probably ever, no American will ever walk again in Kogiani, in a in a province way out east. So.
0: Well, and I, and I, I want to say, Patrick, uh, Corporal Patrick Deans, uh, nineteen years old. I've known him when he was. In, I met him when he was in sixth grade. Uh, what a beautiful young man. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of the one that was was responsible for talking him into the military. He went in the army. Uh, so I kind of lived with that. I wasn't on the battlefield. Uh, so, do your troops stay in touch with you? From, oh yeah. Yeah, it's
2: it's a cool relationship, you know, that you have with those guys. Mine is strange because I have a ton of Marines that I'm super close with, but I actually served in combat with the Army. And so I have Army brothers from, you know, my Afghan deployments, but I have the Marine brothers from my 20 years in the Marine Corps. So the Army guys actually stay in pretty good touch as well, and I, and I love that so
0: cory got the the warrior mindset and you got roof systems how does how does somebody get in uh, in touch with you to bring your training to their school or to their company
2: yeah that's a that's a good question uh you can reach out to me i'll um we can probably post my my contact information with this podcast and then you can find me on facebook instagram uh gunfighter 19 on instagram is the best way to you know direct message me on there uh, but yeah i'm we're just right here local in Columbia, pretty much. You can get in touch with me here.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you guys uh, settled here and not back in Texas.
2: Yeah, actually, me too, for the weather.
0: Now, Court, just amazing. to switch gears a little bit, uh, w- what's the deal with Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M? I mean, I'm glad that he's not at Florida State anymore, but do you, <laughs> do you even want to go down that road? I, I'd rather not. Okay. <laughs> oh, man.
2: It was a tough, tough year for us. But, of course, we found the Aggies. All my Aggie friends, we found the positive in that year. And okay. there, there was a few little glimmers of hope there towards the end. So
0: Yeah, well, I'm hopeful for my Seminoles <laughs> this year, and I know that Clayton wants his Bama uh, you know, to go to the national championship again
1: uh, this year. Got to get back on track. We haven't won one in three years. Is no, Georgia, Is Georgia going to be tough again? Absolutely. They're going to be tough again? Yeah, Yeah, they they will be.
0: Hey, folks, I want to thank you for listening to American Steel. This has been an amazing episode. I hope that you will share this episode and reach out to Corey for this uh, uh, Warrior Mindset training if you own a company. No no matter how small or large, Corey will work with you, and you will see a difference in the the effectiveness and the efficiency of your staff and of your company and our school. So thank you for listening to American Steel here on WKOM 101.7 FM Radio in Columbia, Tennessee.
3: Front Porch Radio is Southern Middle Tennessee's home for the best in news, talk, and sports. Missed out on any favorite Front Porch programs? Check us out online at frontporchradiotn.com to download episodes of your favorite podcast. Listen live or listen online. Search for it on your favorite podcast app, iTunes, Spotify, Google, and Amazon Alexa. Join us on the porch, frontporchradiotn.com.
1: I've got someone very, very special on the phone with me. He's going to tell us what's happening at Foodland. Miles Johnson, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing fantastic. So what kind of holiday weekend is upon us, so what kind of specials you got for us this week? Well, we have two sales going on this week. We have the normal uh, week-long sale, and that includes ground beef for three twenty-nine a pound, whole ribeye for five ninety-nine a pound, whole seedless watermelon five ninety-nine each, fresh corn on the cob two ears for a dollar, and Niagara twenty-four pack water three for ten. We also have at the same time a four-day sale, which is going on now until Sunday. That includes Holton beef patty six-pound box for sixteen ninety-nine, two and a half pound pack of ripe bacon eight ninety-nine. And Kingsford Charcoal, lighter fluid, three forty nine each. All right. Now, do you have any special hours or are you open every day this weekend? We are open every
3: day this weekend, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m.
1: You have a great day, and we'll talk to you next week, okay? All
3: righty.
2: Thank you. Hello. My name is Connor Mims. My wife, Bradley, and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder, and my wife is a second-grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, MemsModernLandscape.com. That's MemsModernLandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks.